It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in. Today, we are off to a new subject. We have been covering really this wonderful discussion of angelic beings over the last few weeks, and here it is, Memorial Day weekend is upon us, and it's a wonderful opportunity now for us to shift gears and get into a very powerful, convicting subject of authentic Christianity. Now, you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with Memorial Day weekend? Well, we think initially, I hope you are thinking, and not just thinking about uh you know, going to a barbecue or or the leisure that you may be enduring this weekend, but really putting uh, some focus on the fact that that individuals have given their lives for this country. They have laid down their lives. They've sacrificed much. Obviously, their very life and service to this country and, and the families that have sacrificed with them. So we have a, a great deal, a debt of, of ingratitude that we need to have with them, and and it, just a posture of just thankfulness for what has has happened there in this sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice of laying down your life for your brother. And certainly that helps us then to shift gears now as we think about the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith, that those who have gone before us and their faithful service unto the Lord, we've talked about the persecuted church, we've talked about those who have truly taken up the cross to follow Jesus Christ and what that means in their faithful service to him. And this world is desperately looking for authentic Christians, individuals who not just speak about Jesus, maybe, uh, and we could talk about what that means. You can use lip service. You can certainly use many words, but do their deeds follow in, in what they claim to believe? It is their hypocrisy. Boy, hypocrisy is rampant. And and so we really want to put our attention to this very sensitive subject today of of what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, an authentic Christian. And so to help us do that, we've got two wonderful guests here in the studio, our dear friend, someone you have just grown to love over these many months together as we've gone through one study after another, uh, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. I'm so happy to be here today. Two passionate followers of Jesus Christ. This is absolutely amazing. This is a incredibly timely topic mm. today in the church, and I think especially in this post-COVID world, the things that we've seen in the last year. Uh, what what does authentic Christianity look like, and how do we live that out? I think That's this right. is this is just a, a great show for today. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And and to help us, uh, Doctor Ford, I know that uh, we have had a number of discussions already offline with our very special guest today, Miss Benita Bynum. And Miss Bynum, you may know that name actually. As you're listening to this right now, you're like, I think I know Benita. You just said that name, and it's probably true because Benita has been serving throughout Colorado Springs, actually throughout the front range for many years in faithful service to the Lord God Almighty as she has gone from many churches in various roles and and doing street evangelism. And I'm not talking about the uh, get out your box and use a megaphone type of street evangelism, but really this this, uh, offering oneself in service to the Lord, even if it's just one person 
uh, out on the streets to to really come alongside them and lead them to the Lord. That that's her heart, and and so she has this reputation throughout the front line, front range community here of of just a faithfulness unto the Lord and serving alongside many churches in this faithful service. And she is a veteran. She has served our country. She's serving the Lord. There really isn't anything it seems like she hasn't accomplished. And so she's helping us today to be able to frame our thoughts around this very difficult subject of authentic Christianity. And so, Benita, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Hello, Pastor John, Dr. Ford. It is a pleasure to be here. I am humbled, and I give all the glory and the honor and the praise to our Heavenly Father. Amen. And I just wanted to give a little background on myself. I am a native of Colorado. I grew up in Fountain. I was able to faithfully serve my country, both here in in Colorado Springs and and overseas in Afghanistan. And now I am able to do full-time ministry for the Lord, and He is doing wonders out there. And this message, I just want people not to feel like we're attacking anybody. We just want to ask people to, in in the landscape of where we are today, to look at their life and ask themselves what authentic Christianity looks like. Yeah, and you, I think you had a wonderful series of bullet points as we've talked about this subject, even offline. Uh, really, I think Scripture frames the discussion, right? And, and I think that as we look to 2 Corinthians 13, 5 on that, uh, could you read that for us? I know that is, that's a verse that's near and dear to your heart. Yes. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Mm, that's a powerful verse. And I, it, it's a challenging one, because certainly with Hebrews chapter 6, we can look to these other sections of Scripture find that there's a, a great deal of conviction in it is we may have a misunderstanding about, am I clinging to Jesus or is Jesus clinging to me? But in both scenarios, what we find is this beautiful harmony in how we are enabled by way of the Holy Spirit to cling to him, but salvation is secure through him. And if we're truly a believer, th- this is the key, right? If we've truly taken up the cross to follow him, and claiming the name of Christ and serving the Lord, there will be fruit. There will be conviction of sin. Ultimately, there's repentance. And I think we need to just set the tone right away that in that frame of repentance, this is a turning away from the things of Babylon, the things of the flesh that are often in contention with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is this uh, understanding then of the heart of God, that my sin is is a blight in that relationship. Why would I delight in that? I want to I turn away from that. I, this is the missing of the mark, as sin is a, a reference to, that I don't want to miss the mark anymore. Lord, I, w- I want your good favor and good pleasure, and I want to know you. And of course, throughout this journey, we need to be able to preface this with a, there is a lack of maturity in believers and there's a growth process. There's a scope and sequence as we grow in understanding of the Lord. But our heart, I believe for all three of us here today is a fact there's a heaviness when we examine a text like Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 to 23. Let me read that to our listeners right now. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not professed or prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
And this incredibly convicting and difficult text is one that causes some consternation, I think, in those who read it because they think, well, wait a minute, here's an individual who's saying, Lord, Lord. They're, they're saying they've, they've prophesied, they've cast out demons, they've done wonders in the name of Jesus. How can this individual not be saved? And really, in this frame of mind that as we examine this, we have a a cultural landscape that's not unlike what it was when these words were originally spoken, where there's a love of religiosity, there's a love of hierarchy that creates that, that feeds the pride of men. There's a there's a love of a system. There's a love of all the things except for Christ. Even a love of sensationalism, right? That, that's a new phenomenon. Even uh, where we love the the things of the wonders, and and we're seeking the the wondrous deeds. We're seeking the miracles, the signs and wonders, right? Or the new knowledge, or all the new, new, new things, and we're not really seeking Jesus in the midst of this. And I think that's really what we're being called to in this is authentic Christianity and walking with the Lord. Dr. Ford, what are some of your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's so right. And I I think one of the things that maybe uh, the two of you could help us with are just some parameters. I mean, what is, what does that look like? I mean, how do you, how do you know which side of that fence you're standing on? Are you the Lord, Lord, and you've done these things and you think you have a relationship with the Lord and you know, he turns aside and says, I, I never knew you. You were never part of me. You never had fellowship with me. That's right. The relationship right. that's absent, right? Uh, you, you know, and, and let me just uh, highlight the fact here. When we talk about being a Christian, and we know that that term, that that title, that that's, uh, that's something we, we add as a label, perhaps, that we are a Christian. What does that mean? I mean, we throw that term around very loosely, it seems, today, and anybody can claim to be a follower of Christ. I mean, I suspect there was a great deal of time there where Judas claimed to be a follower of Christ. Now, you can walk alongside Jesus, or you can walk with Jesus. Very different. And we, we see that there's a difference. In fact, his heart reflects that. There seems to be a, a lot of pride, a, a self-gratification. There's the desires of his own heart. How could Jesus be a means to an end, even overthrowing Rome, liberation, power, then prestige that might come with that? Uh, we see a lot of that even in churches today. There seem to be a lot of embellishments and things that that uh, elevate man, not God. Even our music. We've talked even offline about how right, our music right. can sometimes be more about us than actually God. Yes. We've got some problems here. Yep. And the other thing with that, John, is the fact that Christianity, you cannot have Christianity without Christ. That's right. That's and right. people are not I, being in in. Excuse me, I'm thinking children's ministry because I've done that <laughs> that's as okay. well. Yeah, that's okay. Being out there on the front lines doing street ministry, I am able to talk to people that again profess to be Christians. Yeah, and right. I can tell no difference if they didn't tell me that based off of my conversation. Mm. And the way they carry themselves, there is no difference between them and the world. Yeah. And there's a problem with that. It is a bone of contention in my own family. Mm. Just what authentic Christianity looks like. Being authentic, real, genuine, yeah. or being synthetic. Mm, synthetic, yeah, that's a good term. Because we do, we certainly wear labels very well, and yet we will tell others, don't label me, but... And then we add these labels that don't seem to be embodied with how we're right. walking, right? right? We're claiming an awful lot, but do the fruits, uh, do they do they stand for something? Are they of the world of Babylon or of the, are they of Jesus Christ? In fact, uh, let me just uh, highlight here for a moment that the term, what does Christian mean? Uh, Christanos, the little Christs. 
It's not just a, a uh, claiming a title. This is not something that we're to do. This is actually a, an embodiment of a lifestyle that we are like Christ. We're like Paul said to emulate me because I'm emulating Christ. It's not about uh, being like Paul now. It's about being like our the one who we're being discipled under, who is also modeling their acts of service and their words and everything after Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people out there for many years who have claimed to be his disciples and there always will be, but our Lord points to the proof of genuineness. That's what you just hi- highlighted there, Benita, that genuous, genuineness seems to be this lacking denominator here that a true Christian not only wears the name of Christ, but bears the character of Christ. So there's going to be lapses. We know that. We're, we, our sin nature is, is grievous, right? And it's grievous to the Lord. It should be to us as well. But Paul did a wonderful job in the book of Romans. Of course, he's just simply the, uh, the pen of God and Tertius, his aid as well. But it's God who's the author and he reminds us of these things, how we're going to be in contention with the flesh and it's going to labor against the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be cognizant of that. But it, nonetheless, there will be evidence of Christ's likeness in the life of a true believer. Right, So if we say we abide in him, then we ought to walk as he walked. And that's from 1 John chapter 2. It's Christ's life that's produced in us. Right, Right. Authenticity. Let me read from Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 here. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And therefore, we can say that a true disciple is loyal to the Lord, right? This this authenticity with God, that seems to be a lacking ingredient. So you talk about some parameters, Dr. Ford. I think that if we are ever in doubt, we just simply look to the fruit. If we're part of the vine, and, and he's... He's the trunk of this tree, if we will, and and we're the branches. There should be fruit that says, like in Romans chapter 11, I am grafted in. It is he producing through me. Anything good that comes out of me is of him and by him, right? But there should be some evidence to that, right? Yes, and you said one time in church, Pastor John, the proof of the fruit is in the root. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is very, if we think about that, there's a lot of meat in that. Yeah. How much do we know about this world, and how much do we know about Jesus? Amen. And I see going out doing street ministry, I talk to people who, the minute, they'll talk about God, but the minute you bring Jesus Christ into the picture, they're mm. running in different directions. Why do you think that is? Mm, I, Gentlemen, well, <laughs> I don't know. You can I think we can. We know the why, right? That we're all, we're, we're all sinners, and we've all fallen short, right? right? That that's a key, right there. So when we recognize sin is the common denominator, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in desperate need of a savior. And once we have understanding of that savior, there is a posture then of repentance where you say, "I now understand." the severity of sin and how far removed I am from God the Father and his perfect holiness. Uh, You know, and we try to bring God down to our level rather than understanding just how far removed we are from his. And and then we understand then that bridge in Jesus Christ our Lord. So I think that when we have this common denominator of sin, uh, rather than justifying it, we acknowledge it, we repent of it. And then we walk in authenticity before him because we want to know him. We talked last time about the fact that when they were sacrificing 
unto God the Father. They were going through all the motions. We talk about these who were practicing lawlessness and yet going through all of these wonderful things. Oh, they're casting out demons here in Matthew 7. They're, they're prophesying in his name. They're doing all these wonderful things. We think about the 613 ordinances of the law. Well, they could do a lot of good things. In fact, right. when they would pray and they go down the street corners to pray, boy, they looked like very religious people, yet their hearts were far removed from God, right? He, he said, I don't even want your sacrifices anymore because there's no heart in this. Where is your love for God and his ways, right? Yep. And that seems to be the common thing that's missing, right? The love, right? <laughs> Exactly. No, I couldn't agree more. As, as we're talking about this, I wonder as well, sometimes that people may not respond, as you had mentioned earlier in the show, because of hypocrisy. Right. So for those of us who profess to be true uh, believers in Jesus Christ, what is our, our love life like in the sense of loving other people, whether it's a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal, like Paul said, or Jesus in John 15, that you'll know that, that you know, you're my followers because of the love that you have for each other. Yeah, uh, as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, is that love evident in our in our work lives, in our day to day lives, in our family lives, with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? It's kind of the reverse engineering, right? If you love me, you keep my commandments, right? Okay, well, so how many commandments did Jesus give us? Well, we have the six hundred thirteen ordinances of the old covenant, and I think what we forget so quickly is that Jesus has given us great instruction throughout the new covenant as well. In fact, there's over twelve hundred that are written throughout the New Covenant. And, and many of them are repetitive because we, we forget. Uh, we need to be reminded over and over again. And we see that kind of repetition even throughout the Torah as well. But those type of directives were because he loves us so much and he wants that to be exemplified in us. It's the reverse engineering that says, I, I can do all of these works, but why am I doing the works? Am I doing the works because I, I want to feel uh, relieved of the guilt of my sin conscience or am I doing it because I so love the Lord that it is now evidenced in my work? Uh, that I and, and look, we we understand that what true religion is. Isaiah gives us a great image of that. James talks about this a great deal as well. That we can say we believe. Well, it's like well, good for you because even the demons believe and they tremble. Uh, where's the where's the fruit? Right. And and what we're saying is you can't work to attain salvation. You work because of salvation. Amen. And those works can be, I think, very simple. Right. You can. I mean, it starts even in the everydayness of life. What are what are some of the works? Let's think about that for a moment. I I've even challenged men on just how do they speak? Is is their lips? Are their lips full of the fruits of a transformed life is their gentleness and grace, compassion. Are they swift to curse and condemn and be harsh with their language? I mean, so these things are byproducts of an inward work. In Romans, we read of the transformed mind. Okay, well, there's some. That's a that's an evidenced work of the Holy Spirit, not because I'm patting myself on the back because I my my word choice is better now, right? But because it's an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Then you also have some of the evidences and in, in how I conduct myself with my spouse, with my children, a gentleness, but a firmness and truth, willing to lead, especially men, as we're talking to men right now, rather than abdicate that to somebody else. You're the priest and provider of your home. Right. You've got to step up to the place and say, I'm going, if I want them to be better prayers, I got to start by praying. If I want them to be better readers of his word, I better demonstrate by reading his word, uh, being a person of the word, in the word, the morning and night. The, uh, King David spoke of that greatly. In the morning, the first thing you'll hear are my praises. At the evening before you put your head to pillow, it's his praises like Jesus Christ modeled for us so wonderfully. So these are the type of works. We're not just talking about 
okay, I'm going to go work at a soup kitchen today. That might be some of the first things that come to mind. That's a wonderful endeavor, but some of the works, Benita, that the Lord has, uh, I think, burdened you with is just that you care. People are going to hell, and what am I doing about it? Am I being entertained, or am I really going to be a change agent out on the front lines because I care about what Jesus cares about? I do care because people are going to hell, Pastor John. It is another subject that is very touchy with Christian people. And I think obedience, dedication, and discipline Mm. needs to be a bigger part of our walk with the Lord. We have to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. That's right. That's right. We were talking about like the parable of the field, right? I mean, the owner of that field has expectations. There's there's a harvest. And in that harvest is going to be wheat and tares, right? So side by side, they're growing up and there is there, the harvest is coming. And we've got to be planters out there, laborers in the field. And there's, of course, there's four types of soil that are going to respond to the gospel. We know that. Right. There, there's going to be the, the hard, rocky soil where it's just, I mean, anyway, you say hard soil, like pathway soil, we're not going to respond to the gospel. And then there's the one that where there's there's rock looming underneath the surface. So they shoot up right away, but there's nothing to sustain them. And, and then the other type of soil that's quickly filled with weeds and it just chokes out all the love of the Lord. But there's that one soil where the harvest just blossoms out of it. So there's an expectation of a harvest for us. Yep. Yes, and and with that being said, I'd like to throw in there accountability. Mm, that on. is one thing that we need to be very, very intentional about. We are going to be held accountable for the things that we say, the things that we do, what the Lord has entrusted in us. Amen. And that's yeah. kind of a big Serious. deal. Yeah, it is. And, and, you, and I think it was we were talking about off air, is it, do we really believe what we say we believe? Because I think we, we love dwelling on heaven, but the idea of the Bema seat of judgment, the Bema seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment, we don't talk about the, the judgment aspect. Even over believers, for every spoken word, every, every thought, we're to hold it captive, right? And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do that. Again, not to beat up our listener, but to convict all of us that we can grow up a bit, right? We need to grow up in our faith. That's what the Apostle Paul, I believe the author of, of even Hebrews, is imploring us to do, is it's, it's time to leave some of the elementary principles. It's time to walk in truth. Be light in these dark places. The world is desperate for that authenticity. If we truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon and that lives depend on the message that we have and are unwilling to give, and Ezekiel tells us what happens to the watchman on the wall who says right. nothing— He's held accountable, even even though judgment has to come to the one who is walking in disobedience. He holds accountable the one who knew the truth and said nothing with it. Now, that may cause some consternation with some are thinking, I just don't talk well to other people. I don't know what to say. You, you can't walk in the excuses. It is now time to say, Lord, I don't speak well. Okay, that sounds familiar because that's exactly the excuse Moses used with <laughs> that's God, right. right? Yeah. I don't speak well. They're not going to listen to me. Oh, well, you tell them I am is with you. Oh, but, but I just can't do it. Okay, I'm going to send you a helper and here's a staff to go with you. The excuses can only go so far and God will hold us accountable. He will equip if we want him to, right? right? right. And, I, and I think that's probably the, the, the challenge to all of us, the encouragement right. we need. 
and the conviction we need, right? Yeah, and Dr. Right. Ford, any final thoughts? Yeah, those are just amazing points, and I could just uh, keep on going. But I, I think when you were talking about the parable of the sower, to realize that it's not our responsibility what people do with the message. We're just to be sowing seed, throwing the seed out there. It's the Holy right. Spirit's responsibility to do something with it. We That's just right. offer the gospel. You know, the outcome of that is not up to us. That's up to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like someone once said, you know, sharing the gospel is like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's, that's all right. we're doing. Amen. Amen. And if you truly love Jesus like that, why withhold it? Right. Let Amen. the light shine. Let right. the hope the radiate from our faces. Let our smile be contagious right. as we're eager to talk about the hope that we have in it within us. Not to be so, I don't know, maybe bogged down with such disciplines that we're now arrogant, prideful, and rude with it, but rather that we're joy-filled. Look what the Lord has done. Done right. for me. Amen. I can't wait to tell somebody else about yes. what the Lord Jesus has done for me and for this world, willing to die for it. Uh, we, we're just getting started, and so I would encourage you, tune in next week. We're going to continue in several bullet points on this very powerful subject of authentic Christianity. Please don't miss it. Go and share it with your friends and family so you can do that at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.